then the lesson that we have before us that David looks upon the blessedness that he enjoyed in this life and how God gives this blessedness on man. Perhaps many of you children in particular, if I would speak to you little ones tonight, whom there are so many tonight, if you look upon your parents and you look upon them, they must be Christian people. And maybe you can see faults and failings in your dads and mothers. They're not always just as fast as you would like them to be. Even as they also look upon you and perhaps they see that you're not always doing everything just exactly according to their plan. But you regard them as Christians and certainly these parents. They ought to at least abide in the word of the Lord Jesus Christ who has made little children acceptable to him through his great work of redemption, who has once gathered them into his own arms and blessed them and said, as such is the kingdom of God, that they would also regard you as being children of God, even as I look upon you that you are the blessed ones of God. Perhaps sometimes you wonder that how have I obtained this blessing? What is there so miraculous about this Lord Jesus Christ that I can be a child of God? It is interesting, and oftentimes we dwell only upon that part where a prodigal son or daughter returns into the fold of God from the sins of this world. But let us also regard that all men are made righteous in the same way. There are, There is but one way to everlasting life, and that way is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you little ones are the children of God because Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and there provided redemption unto you. And God instilled faith into your hearts by which you have received the benefits of this great work of redemption. And as long as you continue walking in this faith, you are acceptable to God. But when sin comes into one's life and deprives you of faith, then you are lost. Oftentimes we hear the word, the expression that sin separates us from God. Unforgiven sin does. A forgive, forgiven sin doesn't. Because God casts it away and remembers it no more. It is drowned in the sea of his grace and he doesn't bring it back. That which is forgiven. Men are quite different. Oftentimes we have the sad experience that sins can be forgiven and men still remember them. And even throw them back at you what had been done in the past. But when God forgives, he doesn't remember them anymore. They are forgotten of God. Oh, that we would have this forgetfulness in this life. But our forgetfulness is oftentimes directed in the wrong direction and not in the right direction. Let us discover for ourselves tonight anew. We need to be taught daily. We haven't become so good that we don't need the teachings of God's word. How are we blessed in this life? And how are you blessed in this life? All of us. We're all children of the same God. We're children under the same Father. 
we have all been redeemed by the same Lord Jesus Christ, and we have all believed on that same Lord and Savior. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Let us first look into transgression. What is transgression? It is every act of disobedience against the law of God. This is transgression. It is every act of disobedience against the law of God. We know that God is perfect, he is righteous, there is no sin in him. And he has projected his image to us in his law, where he demands the same perfection from us as there is in him. We cannot be acceptable to God unless we are as perfect as God. We are not made acceptable to God unless we are as holy as he is. And here, the child of God, here the sinner on earth begins to tremble already and said, well, how is it possible that I could become as perfect as God himself? How can, be, how can I be made so acceptable to him that there isn't one flaw or one spot or one blemish in me? And there is but one answer, and that answer is Jesus. By faith we receive that, which is rightfully his, but as a gift through the riches of his grace and mercy he has also imparted unto us. But first, transgression must be forgiven. Every act of disobedience against God must be forgiven. We emphasize forgiveness much in living Christianity. And maybe in some instances this emphasis on the forgiveness of sin can be to such an extent that some will make a savior of it. This is not a savior. Our salvation is not on the fact that our sins are forgiven. As essential as, as it is, as important as it is, our justification before God is through faith. And the blessing of the forgiveness avails us nothing unless we believe that it is forgiven. Therefore, it is a matter of faith. Many people talk about faith, and few understand justification. The Bible tells us concerning faith that even the devils believe and yet they tremble. Didn't save their soul. The Pharisees of old believed and were not saved. The Pharisees believed that they were not saved. There's a great number of people that believe today and are not saved. So the Apostle St. Paul concludes all things and says, Whosoever believeth according to Scripture shall be saved. Therefore we have the Scripture, we have God's Word that directs our hearts and our minds and our souls unto believing according to Scripture. And how do we believe? First of all, we believe that every act of disobedience, every sin that has been committed as we term as sin, the transgression, or let us say the iniquity of our sin, it must be confessed and it must be forgiven. For us, many of you children have been taught at home already that when you have even been disobedient to your parents, that you have been instructed already that for the sake of the good conscience, and for the preservation of your faith, the child of faith that you possess, 
confess it to your dad and mother or to some Christian and receive the forgiveness of it because the Bible says so. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. But do not make a savior out of this and say that now I have received a blessing from my dad and mother, now I am saved. Then you don't look upon the Lord Jesus Christ who is your savior, who is the reason of your salvation, who has brought merit of his own as your man, or the reason why you are a child of God. It was his work, not your work or mine. Sometimes even, even this can be so confusing. Some people, especially little children and even grown-ups, well, they sometimes think that, well, now that I have received the forgiveness of my sins, that here I have been embraced by the Almighty God, that now I am his own. The Apostle St. Paul in his day teaches us to put away the weight and the sin that doth so easily beset you, that you may run with patience the course that is set before you. It is for the preservation of faith, even along the way. Not that we are going to make a savior out of that. It is merely an act of God's grace that we can keep the faith and the good conscience. Good conscience toward God and toward our fellow men. Even the commandments of God have been made into two commandments, so that we are here exercised on this earth to look upon it in a twofold way. That this is obedience is toward God and our love toward him. And also that we love our fellow men even as we do ourselves. Our daily contact is with our fellow men. Much transgression is committed here between God's people. Oftentimes we speak unkind words. Sometimes we speak even evil words to each other. We may go home and say that I really gave it to him. He had it coming. This isn't Christianity, not according to Scripture. This is not the heart of God. Neither is it the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle teaches us, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But when we study the story as he tells us, he pictures the Lord Jesus Christ in lowliness and meekness, meekness and in humility. Let this be your mind. There's very little arrogance there. There's no belligerence there. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. Look upon the goodness that is in your fellow man. Consider it as being better than yours. Esteem your fellow man as being better than you. An instruction of God's word. Nowhere does it give us allowance to conduct ourselves in a manner that we are an offense to our fellow men. This is the transgression because it is contained also in the law of love toward our fellow men. And if we love one another, we are fulfilling the law of God. That's how we can accomplish it, according to the Bible. Not my opinion, but the opinion of God that will stand. When heaven and earth have passed away, it will still endure. When I am gone and my voice is heard no more, this is a small matter. What I would say here, but it's a great matter and a grave matter, what God says here tonight.
these transgressions must be forgiven, that we may run with patience the race that is before us. And if they are not forgiven, we harbor enmity and bitterness and even hate in our hearts toward our fellow men. And if the transgressions against God are not forgiven, we labor with a conscience that can become so burdened with sin that we can lose the faith because of a bad conscience. This is an instruction of God. Perhaps simple for many to understand. Perhaps many of you have had little difficulty in understanding. Sometimes I have great difficulty in understanding this because of the corruption of my own flesh. And yet I know that I can harbor no ill feelings toward any man. I can carry no hatred toward any man. Because I know that if I will not forgive my fellow man, then my Father in heaven will not forgive me. And if there is such a one that has not been able to forgive, then pause for a moment and consider what it would be if God does not forgive you. Serious matter is the second part, perhaps, to some, is more difficult to understand, whose sin is covered. I made mention of this fact in the Finnish language, but many of you possibly did not understand what it means when sin is covered. What happened when you became a child of God? Even though you are a childhood Christian and continue to walk in faith, you look upon yourself and say, I am a child of God because I have never denied my faith. I have endeavored to walk along the pathways the Lord has opened for me as a pathway to life. But every once in a while you, or as you become older, you realize that there is sin that dwells in you. I received the grace to repent of my unbelief and my sin many, many years ago. I had longed for this consolation. I had walked in sin. I was a prodigal son. And I was no better than the one that the Lord portrayed in his parable. But when I received the grace to repent and to believe, I rejoiced in my salvation. And I was foolish enough because I was a human being, frail and without much understanding that I would become such a sinless being that I began to wonder why those Christians that I knew so oftentimes spoke of their frailty and their sinfulness and why they so often had to go to the mercy seat of God and to the altar of his grace and ask for forgiveness. I thought I had become so holy that there was no sin in me. But when the feelings of grace were gone, I realized that I was all sin. Sin was still in me. And I became troubled, deeply troubled, because the sin was so powerful in there. But as I worked in the filling station that I owned in Kingston, I was fixing a truck, tired. If anyone can remember that far back and remember the difficulties there were in taking off a truck tire in those days, we didn't have machines to do it with. We had steel bars and one of them split. And I skinned all, or took off all the skin from the fingers of one hand. For just a brief moment, I forgot that I had received grace from God to repent. 
My first utterance was an oath, a curse. The minute those words of curse came out of my mouth, it seemed that my faith was all gone. I waited for the minister, old man Hurula, who visited me daily in the station. I waited for him the balance of the day, but he didn't come. Early the next morning, I saw the old man walking down the road, headed for the station. He extended his hand and greeted me with the greetings that he had greeted me with so many times before, the greetings of God's peace. And I answered, I don't know if I can greet you with the greetings of peace. This man was not the excitable type that there are today so often that are ready to pass judgment. This man was a seasoned man in the grace of our Lord. Very calmly he answered, I can see where the brother has had to start believing. This was a sign that I had to start believing. Believing over sin that was still in me that I was still a child of God, and the fountains of God's grace were still there. I confessed my sin, and he blessed me. And he says, now I know that you are a child of God. Not because I had trust, but because I had come to the realization that I was still a sinner, saved only by the grace of God and the bloody merits of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he spoke to me of the covering that God has given. The righteousness of his son. And he said, how blessed you are. That you still have the righteousness of the son of God. Because sin is going to continue living in you. And you're going to fall into many failings as you go along. Children, I'm not teaching you to trust. I'm not an advocate of sin any more than the Almighty God is not an advocate of sin. But I know that many times in your travel you're going to fall short of the glory of God. Many times as you travel here on the way of life you're going to realize how imperfect you are. Don't depart from your faith. Let no man take that away from you. It is precious because God has given it to you. It is precious because the Lord Jesus is preserving it in you. Remember that you're clothed from above with the righteousness of the Son of God that is a sin covering, that God does not behold us as sinful as we are, but beholds us in the image in which he has created us anew. And that image is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what David is talking about. Who experienced the joy of salvation, who experienced the joy that was unspeakable and full of glory. No mortal tongue is able to describe it. Neither can I describe it to you tonight. I can utter these frail words and feeble ones to you. But those of you who have experienced the joy that there is in the salvation which is in Christ Jesus will say, Amen. It cannot be told. It must be experienced. David speaks of his own Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Let us remember, it doesn't say that the man does not have iniquity. But the Lord does not impute iniquity upon him because of the righteousness of his son. This ought to be remembered. The Lord does not impute iniquity. 
He doesn't expect perfection from this body of flesh and blood. The perfection is in Christ, and our participation in that is by faith, in embracing the redemptive power of the Son of God, even the Lord Jesus Christ. This is your perfection, and this is mine. And in whose spirit there is no guile. The spirit of man, as far as the man himself is concerned, that oftentimes is referred to as spirit, is no spirit at all, because it is filled with guile. All form of sin and failure is in us. But that spirit which God has given to us has no guile, because it is the spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit of God that has sanctified our souls and made them perfect and acceptable before God. This is sanctification. If God has shed abroad in our hearts his love by the Holy Ghost which was given unto us, have we not then received a portion of the nature of the divine God, his love, or do you feel that you have been able to love God without God giving you of his love? This element, this ingredient, is not in human flesh and blood. It is not there. God has had to teach us to love him. God has had to give of his love that we're able in return to love him. In this spirit there is no guile. And the blessedness of God is because of the fact that we have the Holy Spirit of God. Now he begins to speak of his own experience. When I kept silence, he starts it with these words. I'm going to pause here for just a moment. I may place some emphasis on it. To keep silence is to hide one's own wrongdoing. To keep silence is to fall into such a state, spiritual state, where I recognize no fault, no sin in myself. To keep silent is to separate yourself from the grace of God and the, ne and the need for the pardon and forgiveness. But God is still gracious. He is still a merciful God. God does not sanction sin, he does not advocate any wrongdoing or sin, this is not of God. He is righteous, he is holy, and he is just, and he does not want us to sin. John the Apostle of Love tells us that he writes little children, sin not. Was this not the first wish of God that we wouldn't sin? But in the next breath, John adds to it. But if you sin, we have an advocate to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is righteous. Immediately the mercy of God is shown, even to the sinner. And so David likewise wants to tell us what sin can actually bring to a person. And how God must then work in us, that we may be restored in his sight. And as we mentioned in the beginning that David writes in the 23rd Psalm, he restoreth my soul. 
When I kept silence, my bones waxed all through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moistures turned into the drought of summer. His it was an experience of being convicted of God that eventually came upon him and began to torture him, his soul. The heavy hand of God was upon him. And he experienced this that he describes as something that happened to the natural being, to the physical being of flesh and blood. I believe that many people who have fallen into sin and transgression who have fallen away from faith, and to whom God has returned to rebuke them of sin and speak to them of the results of this sin and transgression against God, have experienced a like experience. But he tells us what he had to do. And I know that this next verse, verse following, oftentimes been used by people that don't believe that it is necessary for a sinner to come to a child of God here to receive forgiveness of sin or absolution for his sin. If they can deal directly with God, they have used this portion, oftentimes to justify their belief and their philosophy concerning this matter. Let us see what it does say. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Isn't it understandable why some would then argue and say that David did not need to go to any child of God? And yet history tells us differently that God sent to David his servant, a prophet, that spoke unto him and revealed unto him what he had done. He was blinded by this fact and had to be revealed unto him that he had committed gross transgressions against God. David, however, merely states that he acknowledged his sin, he confessed it to God, and God forgave him the iniquity of his sin. But where have we found God? When John Parna and Andy Michelson blessed me with the forgiveness of my first unbelief and my first transgressions that I confessed to them, were these two men the ones that actually did it? But were they, as the Apostle Paul in his day, were they the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ were they the servants who in behalf of Christ declared this absolution, proclaimed these words of God to me? I did not confess my sin to these men that they were men. I confessed because they were transgressions against God and I acknowledged them before him and confessed them before him. And God forgave the iniquity of my sin. And he does yet today when the children of God proclaim forgiveness of sin. Christ dwelleth in you. He isn't so far that we need to grope into the distant heavens to bring him down. But he is nigh unto us even in our mouth. In that word that is proclaimed is the living Lord Jesus Christ in those who believe on him. And this was the experience of David. That he received the forgiveness of his sins. As he had acknowledged unto God, he 
also receive forgiveness from God. And if I thought for a moment tonight that my sins had been forgiven by Andrew Michelson and John Farnham, I'm afraid that I couldn't believe that my way was headed for eternal happiness and joy of heaven. But when I believe tonight that they are forgiven before God in heaven, I have a comfort and a blessed assurance that my soul is in the safekeeping of the Almighty God who is only begotten Son. And I'm sure that this was the experience of David. There would be so much yet. But I've taken so much time that I feel guilty already that I haven't allowed my brother to speak more. In the last part, we hear David giving his final instructions unto them that they ought not to be, first of all, that for this we should all who are godly pray in the time when God is to be found, in the time of his grace, when God is near, when he's still speaking to us, when he's able to touch our hearts, when he's still able with his finger to touch our souls. Not wait till our consciences are so hardened and so callous that God's word has no more effect upon it. This can happen. And then he tells us that we ought not to be as horses or mules that have to have a bitten bridle. God doesn't use compulsion. Neither ought we to use compulsion. But we should have a bitten bridle that we're going to be driven, but rather that we would be guided by the Holy Spirit of God and the written word that is before us. Because the Lord guides us with his eye, his eye that is upon you. The power of his spirit, the enormity, and the blessedness of his word that will lead us and guide us. Let us always use this as a guide, mingled with the spirit of God that it will lead us on to all truth, for it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us cast aside the philosophies of men. One day they're going to burn in the fervent heat that God's wrath is going to kindle, but the word of God is going to continue. The ungodly will perish, but we were given instruction that we would shout with joy and with gladness that our salvation is full and free, and it's from the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ who has loved us and who loves us still. Amen.
Tainavat ottivat öljyä astioihin, astioihinsa lampunjansa kanssa. Se merkitsee, että heillä oli elävä usko Herraan Jeesukseen. Oman tunnan asiat tulivat korjatut. Olivat korjatut kaikki puolin Jumalan sanan mukaiseen kuntoon. Ja kuolematon sielun alti rauhaa elävässä Jumalassa. Tyhmät ottivat lampunsa ja eivät ottaneet öljyä myötänsä. Se merkitsee, kuten sanottu, että he ihmissilmin katsottuna tulivat myös kristityiksi, lupasivat suullansa tunnustaen uskoa Herra, Herrassa Jeesuksessa ja hänen luostuksensa tähden itsensä autuaiksi ja kaikki synnit anteeksi. Jeesuksen nimessä ja vedessä sekä tunnustivat syntejänsä, mutta syystä tai toisesta eivät he ahkeroineet päästä. Ja kun tämä asia ei heillä tullut niin tärkeäksi, että olisivat Jeesuksen tähden tahtuneet luopua kaikesta, ja että Herra olisi saanut tahtonsa mukaisesti puhdistaa uskolla heidän sydäntänsä, niin ei heillä ollut mahdollisuutta ottaa muuta mukaansa kuin lampu, se on usko, mutta öljyä, se on pyhää henkeä, ei heillä tullut mukaan. Lähtiessään ylkää vastaan. Näin olivat siis kaikki nämä kymmenen neitsyttä tulleet ihmissilmillä katsoen samanlaisiksi ristityksi, vaikka puolet heistä pysyivät Jumalalle tuntemattomina, kuten sanat kuuluu, en tunne minä teitä. Kaikki kymmenen tunnustavat samalla tavalla Jeesuksen autuutekseen ja pitävät rakkauden kanssa käymistä, opissa elämässä ja kärsimisessä kulkiessaan, ylkää vastaan. Mutta Jumalan kasvujen edessä on heistä viisi viisasta, henkilökohtaisesti kristityitä, sydän puhdistettu uskolla Jeesuksen siunatulla vedellä kaikista synneistä. He olivat päässeet rauhaan ja vapauteen. Rinnassa asuu Jumalan pyhä henki, joka todistaa meidän henkemme kanssa, että me olemme Jumalan lapsi. Toiset viisi tyhmät sitä vastoin, vaikkakin tunnustavat uskoa, ovat ahkeria vieläpä kiivaitakin itsekin puhumaan Jumalan sanaa ja kulkemaan Jumalan sanan kuulossa. He ovat kaikin puolin aivan ihmiskiitosta ansaitsevia kristittyjä, mutta he vaeltavat siitä huolimatta synnin pilaamilla ja saastuttamilla omilla tunnoilla ja kuten on varmaa. Vaikka Jumalan pyhää henkeä sekä oman tunnan sisäistä rauhaa, kun ihmisellä ei ole mahdollisuutta nähdä muuta kuin mitä silmien edessä on, niin ei se näe näissä kymmenessä neissä mitään eroa. Sitä vastoin Jumala, joka katsoo sydämeen, näkee, kutka näistä ovat viisaita, kutka tyhmiä, Jeesus lausuu. Koska ylkä viipyi, tulivat he kaikki uneliaiksi ja makasivat. Pitkäaikainen teko ristillisyyden, kuolleen uskon tunnustaminen, itsensä kieltämisen ja tunnollaan olevien anteeksi antamattomien syntien alla tyhmät hiljalleen lisää paatuivat. Ja sydämet alkoivat sisäisesti maailmallisuuteen ja synninluvallisuuteen mielistellä. Samoin myöskin viisaat. Sieluvihollinen heitä alinomaa ahdistaessa tällä pahalla maailman matkalla. Ja suuressa syntisyyden ja heikkouden tunnossa, maailman pilkan ja ylön katseen alaisina, saivat ihmissilmin katsottuna yhden kaltaisen lamaannuksen. 
synninpainon tähden tulivat he kaikki uneliaiksi ja makasivat. Jeesuksen nimen tunnustajat ovat saaneet aina ulkoa päin kokea, mitä ankarita, ankarita, ankarinta arvostelua. Olkoonpa nuo tunnustajat sitten viisaita tai tyhmiä. Ja monasti on käynyt niin, että niin viisaita, viisaat kuin tyhmiäkin on erittäin uskoton maailma arvostelu samalla tavalla. Mutta kerran Jumala ilmoittaa tämän suuren salaisuuden, kutka ovat viisaita ja kutka tyhmiä. Kun puoli yönä yli enkeli Mikaeli puhaltaa Jumalan pasunaan ja lausuu, katso ylkä tulee, menkää tulos häntä vastaan. Niin silloin ei enää ole epätietoista, kuka on viisas tai kuka on tyhmä. Tekstissä me sanotaan, että silloin nuo tyhmät itse kysymättäkin tietävät, mitä heiltä puuttuu. He sanovat taitaville, antakaa meille teidän öljys tänne, sillä meidän lampumme sammuvat. Tyhmien tunnolla olevat anteeksi antamattomat synnit syyttävinä vakuuttavat, että... Usko ei ole ollut oikea, kun he eivät ole voineet luopua tunnoltaan olevissa synneistä ja rikkomuksistaan. Sen vuoksi koittavat he nyt huutaa apua taitavilta, vaikkakin se on jo myöhäistä. Taitavat eivät kuitenkaan uska Arnon järjestystä muuttaa, ettei meiltä ja teiltä puuttuisi. Ylikä on tullut ja tyhmäen öljy on vielä kauppiaiden hallussa. Voipa se olla vielä hyvinkin kaukana. Oman tunnon asiat ovat korjaamatta, asiat paikolleen viemättä ja synnit anteeksi saamatta. Sen vuoksi antavat viisaat tyhmille Jumalan sanan mukaisen neuvon. Menkää paremmin niiden tykö, jotka myyvät ja ostakaa itsellenne. Kaikki oli kuitenkin jo myöhäistä, sillä tyhmäen mentyä tuli ylke. Ja ne, jotka valmiit olivat, menivät hänen kanssansa heihin ja ovi suljet. Kun tuo vakava hetki kerran avautuu kunkin sielun silmien eteen, niin jokaisella oman tunsonsa todistaa sen, onko öljyä lampussa tai eikö. Silloin jokaisen tyhmän syyttävät oman tunnon kirjat synkän mustina avautuvat eteen anteeksi pyytämättöminen ja anteeksi antamattominen rikoksineen ja sovittamattomuuksineen, jotka ilman muuta todistavat sielun iän kaikisesta vahinkosta. Jos tämän kaltaisissa tapauksissa sitten turvautuu kristityihin pyynnöllä, antakaa meille teidän öljystämme, sillä meidän lampumme sammuvat. Ei viisailla ole muuta neuvoa kuin sydämellisellä rakkaudella selittää totuus ja Jumalan sanan mukainen armon järjestys paikallensa. Jos viisaat silloin antaisivat heille jonkun valheellisen hätä, Hätäneuvon, josta ei tyhmille ensinkään olisi mitään hyötyä, niin voisi käydä lisäksi niin, että sekä neuvojille että neuvottomille tulisi samankaltainen vahinko, kuten viisaat lausuivatkin, ettei me teiltä ja meiltä puuttuisi. Mutta minkä paremmin niiden tykö, jotka myyvät ja ostakaat itsellenne. Monasti ovat ristityt itse huskauden ja tyhmien kuolivuoteiden äärillä tehneet kaiken voitavansa sielun hädässä oleville pelastamiseksi. Mutta lopuksi on kuitenkin täytynyt jäädä aivan avuttomana katsomaan, kuinka kaikin puolin onneton ja vailla sielun rauhaa oleva ihmisparka on muuttanut ajasta suuteen. 
Kun viisainen neissöinä kerran vuoroltansa kadahtaat korviin tuo kuolemattoman sielun ilosanoma. Ylkä tulee, menkää ulos häntä vastaan, niin silloin kallisin nuasetun ja vedellä sielun sisäinen kaipaus tuntee sanomatonta iloa ja riemua. Hänen sielunsa alkaa jo aivan heti kiittää veri ylkää Herraa Jeesusta siitä, että hän viimeinkin lupauksensa täytti ja saapuu noutamaan köyhän ja kiusatun morsiammetta täältä, ahdinkojen, tuskien ja kyyneltä maassa oikeaan isän kotiin. Uskonlampu alkaa kirkkaasti loistaa ja pyhähenken öljy, Jumalan rakkauden tulena palaa. Puhdas hyvä oma tunto sekä rauha Jumalan kanssa Jeesuksen veren puhtaudessa todistaa, että ei ole mitään syyttäviä esteitä taivaaseen pääsyyn olemassa. Ja kun on uskottu kaikki synnit, vien ja puutokset anteeksi, Jeesuksen tuo nyt vihdoin saapuneen veri yleen siunaavassa vedessä. Niin saa käydä ilman esteitä oman veriyljen rinnalla siihen suureen ja loistoisaan kadissan hääsaliin, jossa sitten heitä vietetään alati ja iankaikkisesti. Jeesuksen vertaus kymmenestä neisseestä on erikoisen varoittava opetus siihen, kuinka tärkeää on olla kunkin yksityiskohtaisesti ristittynä. Ja ettei kukaan tule johonkin joukkoon turvautumalla tai joukkoon sielusuudella autuaksi. Samalla on se myöskin vakava varoitus siitä, ettei kukaan jättäisi oman tuntosa asioiden selvittelyä kuolemansa hetkelle asti. Sillä silloin voi käydä niin, että ylkä sanoo, menkää pois minun tyköni, en tunne minä teitä. Lisäksi on tämä myöskin tärkeä opetus siitä, ettei koskaan ole ollut eikä tule olemaan tämän taivaan kannen alla täysin puhdasta Jumalan seurakuntaa, vaan aina on ollut ja yhä on Juudas 12.10 joukossa. Ohdatkeet nisujen seassa samassa pellossa, mädänneet kalat hyvien kanssa samassa verkossa, Viisaat neisseet tyhmien kanssa, ylkää odottamassa ja vastaanottamassa, sekä Ananias ja Safira seurakunnan helmassa. Tekstimme lopussa lausuukin Jeesus sana, jotka ovat selitys koko asialle. Valvokaa sen tähden, sillä ette tiedä päivää ettekä hetkeä, jona ihmisen poika tulee. Kirjoittanut E.E. Kontti Järvi. Kannen alla täysin puhdasta Jumalan seurakuntaa, vaan aina on ollut ja yhä on Juudas 12.10 joukossa. Ohdatkeet nisujen seassa samassa pellossa, mädänneet kalat hyvien kanssa samassa verkossa. Viisaat neisseet tyhmien kanssa, ylkää odottamassa ja vastaanottamassa, sekä Ananias ja Safira seurakunnan helmassa. Tekstimme lopussa lausuukin Jeesus sana, jotka ovat selitys koko asialle. Valvokaa sen tähden, sillä ette tiedä päivää ettekä hetkeä, jona ihmisen poika tulee. Kirjoittanut E.E. Kontti Jääti. Peace. From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ be multiplied to us now and ever henceforth. Amen. 
I wish to bring you also who could not understand the Finnish language, the greetings of the children of God from the upper peninsula of uh, Michigan and from uh, those uh, whom I met uh, in Detroit who I only stopped there a very short time. But above all, may God grant us the grace that although we have received already greetings from heaven through our brother, that he would see fit to use my lips for that same purpose. I shall read that from the first chapter of Paul's epistle to the Colossians, beginning from the twelfth verse through the twenty-third, with the prayer that the Heavenly Father will speak to us. And the words read in the name of our beloved Savior are as follows. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by, all, by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to, be, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies uh, in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Would he continue in faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under the sun, whereof I 
Paul and made a minister. Amen. darkness of unbelief and in the horrible pit and clay of sin God has moved us from that darkness into his marvelous light Or St. Paul or, or St. Peter in the second chapter of his first epistle states, We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, to make known the power of him who led you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our brother spoke of that light and of that glory that the children of God have and in the fullness of time that they shall fully possess. For now we only know in part and we prophesy in part. Now we see darkly as through a glass. But then face to face, says the Apostle Paul. So haven't we reason to give thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Oh, the devil who is the prince of this world and the lord of darkness is a, a mighty enemy. And no man can release himself from, his, from the clutches of the devil. God has to release that soul. But Jesus says that my Father is greater than all. And Jesus proved how powerful God is when he arose victorious over death, hell, and the devil on the third day. Hell could not hold him. Death could not have him as his own, and the devil could not imprison him. Truly beloved, Jesus wants us to become possessors of that power, his power of resurrection. And only by faith in him 
can we become partakers of the power of resurrection that we who were dead in trespasses and sins can receive newness of life in him who is the giver of all life who says I am the way the truth and the life no one shall come unto the Father except by me. And he alone is able and mighty to save. So that when we believe on him according to scripture, he promises that out of our belly shall flow forth rivers of life, or that we shall receive newness of life in him. And it comes about in this manner. When our faith is accounted unto us for righteousness, when we receive the peace of a good conscience, the joy and the blessed assurance of salvation, and the Holy Spirit, then we receive newness of life in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we have been translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, in his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. How simple and plain God reveals his redemption to us. That redemption is in the blood. And we become partakers of that redemption through the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name and precious atoning blood. So often, men want to complicate redemption as though it were some very puzzling and mysterious and complicated thing. But God says that it is so simple, so plain, that not even a fool can go astray. For when God by his grace awakens us through his holy law to know our sins and to be sorry for them. When he grants us the grace to repent for that is the grace of God even as it is a grace of God to be awakened through the law, through the, uh, to the knowledge of our sins. When we then repent of our sins, that is, acknowledge our sins and ask forgiveness for them, 
It is God who gives us the strength to believe. It is He who instills living faith into our hearts. For living faith is not a faith of the head. It is a faith of the heart. Therefore St. Paul states, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When God instills this living faith in our hearts, it is this faith, this living faith that is accounted unto us for righteousness. God always honors his own work. He doesn't honor the work of man, but he honors his own work. And therefore, it is so necessary that we behold and realize the work of God that has been wrought in us and wrought in others. For we cannot awaken anyone. We can give no one faith. We cannot justify a single soul. Nor can we give anyone the Holy Spirit. That is all the work of God. And it doesn't make any difference whether God works that work through me or you or someone else. We should always honor God's work. But there are those who cannot see the work of God in anyone that they themselves have not had a hand in it. And they cannot believe that they are truly children of God. I pity such. For that is positive proof that they do not know or understand the work of God. And if they do not know or see or understand the work of God in others, can they understand and know the work of God in themselves? Luther says, if you cannot find God in your brother, then he is lost to you. Where can you find him then? He is the image of the visible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is above all things, and by him all things consist. Here we see what honor and preeminence and glory 
the Holy Spirit gives to our Savior. St. Paul states, God has made him to be unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Should we not also give him that honor and glory that he is our all in all? And when Jesus is in us by his Holy Spirit, and we in him by faith, then we have that blessed assurance that stands us steadfast in life and at the hour of death. We do not need the witness of others because we have the witness within ourselves. And we can state with St. Paul, I know on whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. By him, through him, and for him, all things were made and consist. All remain For he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. When Jesus was glorified and was set down on the right hand of the throne of God, given all power and majesty then the earth became his footstool and the day will come when all his enemies shall be beneath his feet for he is coming again and he is coming in his power and glory with the hosts of heaven and then, beloved, the children of God, like a flock of migrating birds, will rise from the sin-cursed earth to meet their Lord in the air, and so shall they be with him forever. This holy book tells us. But those who remain for Jesus says that there shall be two lying in one bed, one shall be taken, the other left. The boundary line of the kingdom of God can be go between the bed of a husband and wife. One shall be taken, the other left. There will be two grinding at the mill, one shall be taken, the other left. There will be two working in the field, one shall be taken, and another left. And those who are left 
they must sing the psalm of remorse. And that bitter psalm of woe will never cease. Those who have heard the word of God and the call of the Lord Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of them, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto yourself. Very well. You have procrastinated and put it off. You'll sing. Too late, too late. I waited too long. Oh, bitter is that refrain. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And who has and who is before all things, and, and by whom all things consist, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. John states in his Gospel, the law was given by Moses, but grace cometh by Jesus. And we have all received his fullness and grace for grace. So beloved. Here we see what preeminence is given to the Lord. Moses was a faithful servant in the house of the Lord. But Jesus is son in his own house, whose house we are, says St. Paul to the Hebrews. And all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, they have received of his fullness. For the fullness of God dwells in him. And when the Spirit of God has been able to cleanse an abiding self, an abiding place for himself in our hearts, Jesus through his Spirit is then dwelling in us. And we receive of his fullness and grace for grace. For we need the grace of God continually. Even though by grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Not a worseless any man should boast, for we are his workmanship wrought in Christ Jesus unto good works where in he has set us to walk. 
thanks be unto God, that in him dwells all things, and that we, by faith in him, have received of his fullness. For that righteousness that we have received by faith is a full and perfect righteousness. Man's own righteousness is as a filthy rag in the sight of God. But the righteousness of Christ that is given to us by faith, it is a full and perfect righteousness. And nothing less is acceptable to God. It must be full. It must be perfect. And that holiness that God gives through his Holy Spirit is full and perfect. And that is the holiness that is acceptable to God. And having made a peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and as and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Yes, we were alienated from God, separated from God by our wicked works. When we were in unbelief. And let us be assured of the fact that even though we confess to believe, if we live in wicked works, we are separated from God. For God and sin cannot be reconciled to one another. And that is the reason that it is so necessary to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. If we want to keep faith in a good conscience, and St. Paul urges Timothy to keep faith in a good conscience, then Jesus reconciled us to God. He did it by his perfect obedience. He was obedient to the will of the cross, even unto death on the cross. The will of the Father, even unto death on the cross. And it was the disobedience of one man that brought sin, sickness, and death into the world. But it was the obedience of one by which many shall become righteous. In this manner, Jesus merited and won for us grace and salvation. And that grace and salvation is offered to us full and free as a gift from God. 
Only forgiveness of all our sins and transgressions in Jesus' name and atoning blood. And it was for that purpose that in him everything should be reconciled to God, that which is on earth and that which is in heaven. For he is to be Lord of all. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the sight of in his sight if you continue in faith grounded and settled and do not move away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under the sun whereof I Paul am a minister here we see, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But Paul says, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach without being sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace and bring the glad tidings of good things. So, we have reason to thank God that the word of God is preached among us. That word that brings life and salvation For just as assuredly as God lives, you cannot separate him from his word. And he reveals himself to us through his word. And we receive him by receiving his word. Or we reject him by rejecting his word. John says he came unto his own, but his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even unto them that believed on his name. Thus man either receives or rejects his Lord by receiving or rejecting his word. And when we receive him, then he gives us of his fullness. And that when that happens, then we he will one day present us holy and unblameable and in, in, in unreprovable in the sight of God. It is no wonder that John stated unto him who loved us and gave himself for us, who washed us in his blood and made us acceptable to the heavenly Father, unto him be honor, glory, and dominion, now and ever henceforth. 
so do we want to join him. We glorify him, praising and thanking our Lord and Savior for his goodness and his mercy, which endure forever. Amen. Now the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Tuvaisena se rukkoili ja huokaili, että armahta minua syntistä. Ja kuin Jumalan sanan siemen pääsi, siihen särjettyyn sydämeen. Kuin pyhä henki Jumalan omien suun kautta puhuja sanoi, ole hyvässä turvassa, sinun synnit annetaan sinulle anteeksi, että sinä saat uskoa, vaikka sinun synnit olisivat veri ruskiat, ne lumivalkiaksi tulevat, ja vaikka ne olisivat ruusun karvaiset, ne pitää tulemaan niin kuin villa. Sillä armossa on varraa ja veressä on voimaa, että sinä saite se voiman suuta avaamaan ja kysymään, että kuuluuko se armo minullekin? Saanko minäkin uskoa sinni tanteeksi? Sinä muistat, kuin pyhät kädet laskettiin päälle ja siunattiin ja kehoitettiin uskomaan Jeesuksen nimessä ja kallisessa sovintoveressä kaikki sinni tanteeksi. Ja mitä se vaikutti sitten sydämessä? Kuinka tuo sydän tuli iloiseksi? Kuinka nuote synnit, jotka olivat niin suurena niin kuin vuodet estämässä, he siirtyivät aivan armon merreen, kuin meillä oli vain sinapin siemenen vertaa uskoa, kuin Jumala antoi voiman uskoa. Silloin ei voinut sydän olla kiittämättä Jumalaa ja ylistämättä Herraa Jeesusta. Ja silloin pyhä henki tuli totistamaan meidän henkemme kanssa, että me olemme Jumalan lapset. Ja jos lapset, niin perilliset, Jumalan perilliset ja Kristuksen kanssa perilliset. Mutta meille se ilmoitti myöskin, että meidän tulee kärsiä. Jos me ynnä hänen kanssa kärsimme, niin me ynnä hänen kanssa kunnian sisälle menemme. Ja tänään on juuri sen tähden Jumala säätänyt, että näin. Me Jumalan lapseksi korjatuksi tulemme. 
Kyllä kaikki liha on niin kuin ruoho ja kaikki ihmisen kunnia niin kuin ruohon kukkainen. Ruoho on kuivunut ja sen kukkainen lakastunut, mutta Herran sana pysyy iankaikkisesti. Ja se on se sana, joka teidän seassanne saarnattu on. Voi ihminen, joka on ruoho verrattu, mistä hän ylpistyy ja pöhkäilee. Ja toisia ylön katsoo, eli tuomitsee. Ajattele. Rakas hieno, että olet niin kuin ruoho. Tänä päivänä sinä voit olla vihviä ja kukostomassa, mutta huomenna jo voit olla kuivana ja pätsiin heitettynä. Jumalan sana on ainoa, joka iankaikkisesti pysyy. Ja se sana on teidän seassanne saarnattu myös. Sillä me emme tarvitse teille saarnata niin kuin tietämättömille. Sillä täällä on saarnattu kielillä jos toisilla kymmeniä ja kymmeniä vuosia. Ja se on se sama saarna, jota vielä tänä päivänäkin saarnataan. Jota itse Herra Jeesus on käskenyt saarnata hänen nimessä parannusta ja synteen anteeksi antamusta. Niin Jumalan rakas taivaallinen Isä. Suokkoon sen armo, että uskomme kaikki synnit, hiat ja heikkoudet anteeksi Jeesuksen nimessä ja kallisessa sovintoveressä. Ja kiitämme Jumalaa, joka ainoastaan on otollinen kaiken kiitoksen, ylistyksen ja kunnian saamaan ajassa ja iankaikkisuudessa. Aamen. Ja me näemme itsemme vialliseksi. Tuntuuko se sinusta, veljeni ja sisareni, että sinä olet sovelias tätä virkaa pitämään? Kyllä me tiedämme, kun Jumalan sanalla on taivaat ja maat ja meret tehty.
for we know that by the word of God has the earth, the, the heavens and the seas been made. Kuinka pieniä me olemme tätä sanaa julistamaan? And how small we are then to proclaim this word. Mutta tämä Jumala on antanut meille tämän viran. But God has given uh, this precious gift unto us. Niin se antaa tämän sanan tulla eläväksi. And then he give, leaves this word to become a living word. Ja niin kuin hebrealaiskirjassa siitä sanotaan. And as it is being spoken in the book of the Hebrews. Jumalan sana on elävä. And that the word of God is living. Ja se on voimallinen. And uh, powerful. Ja se on terävä. And sharp. Terävämpikö joku kaksiteräinen mies. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Joka erottaa hengen jäsenet ja ytimet. Uh, that will discern of the spirit and the, and, and the mind. Ja on meidän sydämemme ajatusten ja aivoitusten tuomari. It is a, a, a judge of our hearts, I mean intents of our hearts. Onko tuo elävä sana pannut sinut liikkeelle sitten kun olet uskoon tullut? Has this living word made you to move, move since you have become in the faith? Jos tämä on ollut elävä sinun sydämessä. If it has been living in your heart. Niin silloin se on pannut sinut liikkeelle myös niin näitä niin epäuskossa tehtyjä syntejä puhumaan. Then it has made you to go around and to speak and make restitutions of these sins that you have uh, done while you are in unbelief. Ja tämä, tämä elävä sana, joka sillä sydämessä on. And this living word which is abiding in your heart. Tämä pyhä hengen laki. Uh, this uh, law of the Holy Spirit. Se kuljettaa vaikka tuntuukin vaikealta. Uh, it leads you even though it seems uh, hard. Asiasta to- toiseen kulkemaan vaan. From one and matter unto another. Muutoin ei sielu saa rauhaa. Uh, the soul will not receive peace otherwise. Anteeksi antamus saarnataan aina kaikki, niin että kaikki synnit saarnataan anteeksi. Uh, the uh, forgiveness of sins is being preached all sins are to be forgiven. Mutta pyhähengen virka omassa tunnossa on, että se lähtee jälkejään korjaamaan. But it is the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the conscience that they will go and make restitutions for their uh, past. Että pyhähengen öljy pysyisi tuolla astiassa. The oil of the Holy Spirit might stay in the vessel. No nyt Täällä sanotaan, mutta jos sillä viralla, joka kirjaimen kautta kuolettaa. Ja kiviin kuvattu oli. Oli sen kaltainen kirkkaus. Uh, would have uh, that kind of a light. Niin ettei Israelilapset taitoneet katsoa Mooseksen kasvoi hänen kasvonsa kirkkauten tähteen, joka kuitenkin katsoi. That the children of Israel could not behold the face of Moses uh, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Now the apostle brings before us a certain picture. Kun Moses oli 40 päivää, niin, niin Jumalan luona. As Moses was 40 days with God. Ja kun hän palasi sieltä. And as he returned from there. Niin hänen kasvonsa nahka paistoi niin kuin aurinko. As the countenance of his face shone as the sun. Jumalan läheisyys teki tämän kirkkauten jo. The nearness of God let this glory come about. Niin että hänen piti panna peite kasvoille, että israelilapset voivat katsoa häntä. Uh, that he had to put a veil over his countenance so that the children of Israel might be able to behold him. Mutta tämä katosi tämä... Niin kuitenkin tämä kirkkaus. Uh, this, uh, glory faded away. Mutta tässä on suurempi kuvaus. 
But there is a greater picture. Tämä oli kiviin kuvattu. Uh, this was uh, pictured in, in the graven stone. Mutta tässä puhutaan evankeliumin kirkkaudesta. But here it is speaking of the glory of the gospel. Me huomaamme, huomaamme niin tällä myöhemmässä vaiheessa. As we uh, look forward here in this text. Kuinka tämä laki se katoaa. How this law it, it disappears. Kuule, rakas matkaystävä. Listen, you beloved traveler. Ei taivaassa enää tarvitse laki. Uh, for in heaven we need no law anymore. Täällä maailmassa Jumala näyttää lakinsa kautta, kuinka syntiset me olemme. Uh, here on this earth, God through his uh, law shows us how sinful we are. Silloin kun ava- avautuu hääsalin ovi. Uh, then uh, when the door of the wedding uh, uh, will open up. Meillä paistaa siellä evankeliumin kirkkaus. Then the glory of the gospel shall be shining. Täällä me näemme myös lain kirkkauden. Here we see the glory of the law. Ja se tuomitsee ihmisiä. And it condemns a person. Ja tämä on niin, niin vaativa tämä niin lain vanhurskaus. And it is such a uh, one that is, is, uh, that is demanding. Että vielä Jumalan lapsenakin kun kahtomme lain, lain valossa itseämme. Uh, that even as a child of God, when we look at ourselves in the light of the law, then it makes us to tremble. But we need not to be in the fear of the law. For Christ died upon the cross with the fullness of cry of fullness. Se on that it is fulfilled. For in behalf of all of us, the law was fulfilled. Mutta samalla, samalla kun tämä laki on täytetty. But at the same time as this law is fulfilled. Kaikille uskovaisille. Unto all Christians. Niin samalla se ohjaa meitä niin, niin, täällä maailmassa siviästi ja nuhteettomasti elämään. At the same time it will instruct us that we might live according to it in this world. Niin kuin se roomalaiskirjassa niin sitä sanoo. As it speaks about in the book of the Romans. Että Jumalan lapset tahtovat täyttää niin tämän, niin tämän lain. That the children of God wish uh, to live and fulfill this law. Ne ei lähte pyhänä kalastelemaan. They will not begin to go fishing in Sunday. Ei ne lähte metsästelemään. No hunting. Ei ne lähte mihinkään pallopekeimeihin. And they will not go into ball games. Eikä sellaisiin, että niin ne, ne sotivat meitä omaa tuntua vastaan. Or anything that will uh, uh, work against our conscience. Me tahtomme niin tämän, tämän, tässä, tässä Jumalan rakkaudessa pysyä. We wish to stay in the love of God. Että me joutuisi enää sen vihan alle. That we would not live... Uh, come under his wrath anymore. For even that which was made glorious uh, uh, how much how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Nyt joka hengen antaa tämä evankeliumi. And now uh, the, the gospel that gives us the Spirit. Tämä pyhä